Hi, Dr. Gator here. Are you ready to take your family's health to the next level? Check out my free immunity and wellness masterclass at integrativepediatrics.com. Dr. Gator, I am not a breakfast person. That's an important meal, though. No, I, I, it makes me crazy to hear that it's an important meal. I know I give breakfast to my son, but while I make his breakfast, I it kind of just like grosses me out. I do not wake up hungry it's really it's really interesting well, and you're, then you're, you're kind of ahead of the trends though then right because that you know everybody's talking about intermittent fasting and, and then kind of skipping out. so you're basically just automatically cool at this point that is exactly what i wanted to tell you yes so <laughs> i didn't know what intermittent fasting was and then someone said well basically you just don't eat until noon and i was like oh well then i've been doing that my whole life <laughs> <laughs> intermittent fasting yeah i've been doing that my whole life it's called sleep <laughs> right <laughs> Mama. Welcome, parents, to Raising Amazing. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Gator-Warsh, board-certified pediatrician specializing in integrative medicine. And I'm Serena Vincent. I'm an actor, writer, and new mother. Join us in learning and laughing as we navigate through the messy path of parenthood. And together, let's begin Raising, Raising Amazing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> da no, in all seriousness, intermittent fasting is becoming a very common thing, and it is really helping people feel good in their bodies. And as parents, we need to be taking care of ourselves so we can take care of our children. And I don't believe in diets. I've said before, you've all heard me say before, that like I struggled with eating disorders and things in the past, so I don't believe in like restricting and in diets. I believe in eating real good foods eating healthy, nourishing your body, celebrating with food. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just super excited about our guest today. Oh, he is just so unbelievable. I mean, you've almost certainly heard him speak probably many times, especially if you watch you know, TV ever. Um, you know, he's been on The Rachel Ray Show. He's been on Larry King. He's now the host of The Doctors TV show. And, and I, I agree with you, you know, I'm never a fan of, of dieting. I think healthy eating is, is really what you need to focus on. And it's really exciting to talk to him about his new program, about healthy eating, about his new book, uh, and really just healthy eating for parents and, and children in general. It's really not about following any fad diets. It's more about setting up your life life for success. And, and we, we get into all of that and, and, and just chat with, uh, he's one of the leading experts in the world on, on nutrition and, and yeah and diet and health. I mean, he has 20, 20 books for, for I mean, 20 books. <laughs> Hard enough to do one. 20 books is pretty impressive. So, you know, he's, 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 he's done a few things. And he's just so cool and down to earth. And we, we haven't even told you guys who he is yet. It's Dr. <laughs> Ian Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so excited to have him today. Let's get into it. We are so honored today. We have Dr. Ian Smith. He is currently the solo host of the Emmy award-winning television show, The Doctors, and a longtime medical contributor to The Rachel Ray Show. You've seen Dr. Smith on The Oprah Winfrey Show, The View, Dr. Oz, CNN. He has written for various publications, including Time, Newsweek, Men's Fitness, and more. Um, Dr. Smith graduated from Harvard College. He received a master's at Columbia University. He attended Dartmouth Medical medical school and he is also a multi number one New York Times best-selling author and has his new book out it's called fast burn thank you dr. Ian for being here thank you guys for having me all We're right so well let's uh, jump right in we're so excited to chat today about 
diet and nutrition, and it's really become something that's very important. I mean, it's always been important, but I think you know one thing that's good from the pandemic is that we've really started to focus more on health and really realizing the importance of diet, nutrition, exercise, especially with you know chronic disease rates skyrocketing. So my first question to you, really wanted to know about what nutrients do you think that we should be focusing on and what changes do we need to see going forward in terms of our, our diet to keep healthy? Is this a reference to kids or parents or? Anybody, let's start with kids and then we can go on to parents. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, where we are as a country, as far as um, the nutritional status uh, of our youth is not great. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that we have a lot of knowledge about what is good and what is bad, but I think that we really fall short on execution. And that's for a lot of reasons. I mean, there are economic reasons. People are having economic hardship. And so they go for things that are typically most economical and those things tend not to be very nutritious. Uh, also, uh, you know, given that we've been in the pandemic for over a year, uh, our whole world has been turned upside down. You know, some kids are in school, some are at home, some parents are at work, some people are working remotely. It's just been kind of a chaos, uh, a, 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 an organized chaos, basically, <laughs> of just everything happening. And I think that uh, we know what our kids should be eating. We know that our kids need more calcium. Uh, a lot of our kids are probably not getting enough fiber, uh, vitamin D uh, and vitamin A. Uh, these are things that our children really need to be loading up on. But if we are not making sure that our kids are getting the proper amount of fruits and vegetables where most of these things are found, of course, you can find a lot of this in fortified foods. But, you know, fortified foods are not always the best way to get these nutrients right uh, you want to get nutrients in the form that are natural because they tend to be more bioavailable which means that your body can absorb them and use them better for functioning so uh, those are the things that I think about when I think of children particularly calcium by the way because you know milk has kind of gone out of out of favor <laughs> uh, not a lot of kids drink when I was a kid I could drink a half a gallon of milk in a day by the right. way just nice tall cold glass of milk and you rarely see that these days so i think that's an issue for parents i think that the two major issues for adults are protein and fiber uh, for sure americans are probably getting on average about 30 percent to 40 percent of the amount of fiber that they should be getting especially when you compare it to uh, eastern countries uh, that are getting a lot of, of fiber uh, and also uh, protein uh, you know, I think protein is extremely important for all kinds of reasons. Uh, it's important for muscle development. Uh, it's important for uh, digestive issues. It's important for actually uh, keeping you uh, full longer uh, and holding off hunger. So I think that Americans, uh, adults, uh, are not getting the proper amount of protein and fiber. And by the way, I say these are problems. These are, these are very easy to fix issues. And when I write my books, I try to explain without being overly didactic, I try to explain to people, these are great sources, this is where you can get things from. Uh, and I think that's important. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that you know we talk about protein, we talk about fat, but there's very different kinds of proteins and fat. So where do you, you know, direct people to go in terms of what, what, where, how they choose the best kinds of proteins and fats? And what are you doing with your own family? Yeah, you know, it really depends on the type of eater you are. Uh, you know, vegans and vegetarians uh, don't want animal products, products, and so 
I recommend obviously non-animal protein. So chickpeas, beans, legumes, that whole thing, lentils, all those those sources are great sources of protein, uh, whole grains uh, for people who don't want to eat animal products. So that's the one group. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, and if you are a meat eater, I tend to be an omnivore, which means I eat meat and seafood and everything else. I eat everything. Um, <laughs> Me too. If you are, yeah. <laughs> Me yeah, too. I'm not like <laughs> uh, so, uh, and I'm honest about that. But uh, if you eat everything, obviously great sources of protein are lean sources of protein. Chicken without the skin. Uh, if you like steak, I'll eat a steak every once in a while. A lean steak is typically better for you. Uh, when you look at all the nutritional ingredients, uh, but also fish. Fish is wonderful. I mean, you know, my favorite fish is salmon, great protein, omega-3s, which are awesome uh, for brain and heart health. Uh, and so those are sources for those of us who eat uh, animal products. Now, when you talk about fats, I think that people need to be, the one lesson I would give people about fat, and it's very simple, because people have a hard time trying to understand what's a good fat and a bad fat. The good fats are the unsaturated fats, and there are two types. There's monounsaturated, which means mono single, mm-hmm. so it's a single unsaturated fat. There's polyunsaturated, poly meaning multiple. And I don't want, I won't get into the bore you with the chemical uh, reasons <laughs> about saturation, which you guys remember for orgo from all the uh, classes. Ugh, but good times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the idea is you want to load up on those fats. So. Where do you get monounsaturated fats? You get them from avocados. You get them from seeds like pumpkin and sesame seeds. You get them from uh, nuts. Uh, you know, it could be hazelnuts. It could be cashews. It could be peanuts and pecans. Um, and then the oils, by the way, are important. So your cooking oil is important. Uh, you want oils that come from plants. So olive is important. Canola, sunflower. Uh, I'm trying to think. Soybean, peanut. Those are good oils. So those are good sources of the monounsaturated. Even better for you are polyunsaturated fats, and those are things like walnuts, sunflower seeds, uh, soybeans, tofu. I'm not a fan of tofu, but some people like tofu, so Neither you're I. more than welcome to have tofu. Uh, and then the oils like flax, corn, grapeseed oil, uh, safflower, safflower, sun, soybean, uh, and the fish I mentioned. So you have salmon, mackerel, mm-hmm. trout, sardines, herring, and tuna. So those are different places. Now, the bad fats uh, that you want to stay away from, I shouldn't say that. I should say you want to reduce. You want to reduce the amount of saturated, the word saturated. Think about saturated being meaning too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. So you, want to, you don't want too much of these things. That's a little mnemonic to remember. Um, and so for saturated fats, you know, things like the skin of poultry, which tends to be very flavorful and it's great to eat, but that's where a lot of the saturated fats are butter, sour cream, lard, um, cookies and grain-based desserts, cheese, um, pork, So these are th- and some fatty beef. So when you look at the category of saturated fats, I'm not saying they have to be eliminated. I'm saying they should be reduced, mm-hmm. less than your unsaturated fats. And the last category, which is extremely important, are the trans fats. Any parent who is going out there always look at the label and make sure it does not contain trans fats or here's a trick a lot of manufacturers will use the chemical name for it which you won't recognize but you can see it it's either hydrogenated oils Mm -hmm. or partially hydrogenated oils those are trans fats those are fats that you never want to eat they have a bad history of, of contributing to heart disease blood vessel disease 
We don't want trans fats. In fact, a lot of manufacturers now, because they realize how bad trans fats are, they will actually put on the label zero trans fats. They're letting you know that there are no trans fats in this. And if you don't see that label, look on the back and look at the nutrition and just make sure no trans fats, hydrogenated oils, or partially hydrogenated oils. That's so useful and so good to remember for ourselves and our kids and all the little snack foods that they want to eat and oh, you know yes. it's that's where they are by the way Serena they're in the snack mm-hmm. foods you've got to be careful listen one of my favorite snack foods um, were grandma's cookies oh. uh, and it was an old lady <laughs> with, with, grandma with the little sprinkles the and the frosting on them <laughs> yes yes okay but guess what I then looked at finally as I'm older I looked at the nutritional label corn syrup hydrogenated oils everything Oh, and that's why they taste so good. And so I haven't had grandma's cookies in years. I miss them. And I wanted to write them and say, can you guys make it? Just don't have all this stuff in it. You (laughs) should. Maybe you can get them to change. (laughs) I can influence them maybe. Maybe. There's so many products out there. Why is that in there? Like, There's no good reason to have those chemicals in that food. It's not doing any good. And even if you look at the same product in Europe, they don't have half that stuff in there. Uh, we just have to, we have to regulate it. We have to do something about it because it's just easier to go pick the snack food, but we, we need to make sure that we're we're making healthier choices. Well, what they use trans fats because trans fats actually make products more shelf stable. Mm-hmm. So they last longer on the shelf. And so a mm-hmm. trans fat will take a liquid and make it into a solid. Margarine, by the way, is a great example. Margarine without trans fats would be liquid. And they use the trans fats to make it stable so it can stay there for a very long time. So that's wow. the manufacturing reason for using trans fats. And corn syrup, of course, because it's extremely inexpensive mm-hmm. and it's extremely addictive, the taste. Uh, you know, it lights off our pleasure sensors in our brain. And so they have reasons for using them. Uh, unfortunately, the reasons are not good for our health. <laughs> we need a whole system overhaul. Just I was on a plane this weekend, and you know they got went by and gave me a little snack, and I just oh op- I was starving. I opened the thing, and then I started eating it, and I turned it around, and I I, I just said nope, okay, I'm not gonna eat it. I'll, I'll just have to starve. But there are so many other options. Can, can I just wish you know you say a systematic overhaul? I just wish there's so many wealthy people in this country, and so many billionaires and big trillion dollar companies almost like someone just say hey we're going to bite the bullet and even if we have to absorb a little more in manufacturing costs and sourcing the products and ingredients that we're really going to make these snacks healthier but they're still going to be fun tasty snacks healthy does not mean that it can't still be tasty and I just think it's an economics issue that people don't want to do it because it's a little more expensive, but it's not like double the price. And it's just, and, and there are healthy snacks out there. I don't want to say there are none, but they're not as common and available. Like, you know, on, on the airplane, you're not going to get, you know, for example, <laughs> you could take trail mix and make trail mix very ha- very healthy. I mean, yeah. you know, you can, you can have dried fruit, which is going to have sugar. That's natural sugar. It's going to come with other nutrients in the fruit. But you don't have to add sugar to dried fruit. When you look at dried fruit and it says <laughs> added sugar, why? The, the fruit is already full of sugar and, and sweet. It's yeah. just, oh, know. it makes me crazy. I know. Can we talk? I, I love hearing. I love hearing you on the soapbox though, because usually I'm the one having the soapbox about this stuff. I know. It's like nice to it's great. hear you echoing it. <laughs> um, can you explain the concept of negative energy balance? 
Yeah. So the subtitle of Fast Burn, my book, is The Power of Negative Energy Balance. And let me explain it as quickly as I can. Uh, positive energy balance means that you've consumed more calories than you're burning off. And so food is energy. A calorie is actually a unit of measurement of our energy in food. So if you're consuming 3,000 calories and you're only burning off 1,000 calories, you have a 2,000 calorie positive balance. You're in the plus 2,000 calories. Newton says energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So what happens with that energy? The energy has to go somewhere. It doesn't, doesn't just disappear. It'd be nice, by the way, the extra energy disappeared. It doesn't. Where does it go? The body stores it in the form of fat. Mm -hmm. Fat is a storage form of energy. So that's the positive energy state. And so we don't want to be, we want to have positive energy spiritually and emotionally. We don't want positive energy when it comes to food. And we're, try, if we're trying to lose weight. If you're trying to gain weight, yes. Now, negative energy balance is what I do with my book. I flip your body into a negative energy balance. And what that means is that the amount of energy you are getting from your food is less than the amount of energy that is being required by your body. Your energy demand is higher than what you're getting energy from your food. So there's a difference, a delta, a difference here. So where does the body go? And the body needs energy. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you die, you faint, you fall out. Where does the body go to get that energy? It goes into the fat Your stores. thigh. And it, it takes <laughs> that fat and it breaks down that fat and it converts it into usable fuel for your body. So in fast burn, the reason why people, and by the way, it's a nine week plan, regular food, very tasty food. The recipes are amazing. So um, but, but the reason why people are losing between 15 to 17 pounds on average in nine weeks, and let me just say, not everyone loses weight the same way, the same pace or the same location, but that's the average. I had 2000 people tried out on my Facebook group, but people are also reporting weight loss around the abdomen. They're losing inches and inches because they're driving their body into those fat stores and using that for energy during their intermittent fasting period, the period of the day where they're fasting, that is where they're getting their energy from. Can you talk about intermittent fasting for a second? Because this might be a new concept to some of our listeners. It's definitely becoming a lot more popular, at least as a concept. But I think you know, for any adults that are, well, mostly adults are listening, they might be thinking about this. So maybe you could just explain a little bit more about intermittent fasting and what that means. Sure. So intermittent fasting is, people have heard about it, I'm sure. They may not understand it, but it's, people <laughs> know about it. Intermittent fasting basically is the idea of intermittent fasting. That means occasional fasting so occasionally you're going to have periods where you're not eating food um, there are different types of intermittent fasting and fast burn I do two of the most popular types and what I have found to be the most effective types one is called time-restricted feeding the other is called the 5-2 method let me break it down for you time-restricted feeding everyone's probably heard about what that is this you take your 24-hour day and you break it up into two windows you break up into a feeding or an eating window and you break up into a fasting window. During your feeding window, you're going to consume all of your calories for the day from food. So three meals, and my program, three meals, three snacks, you're gonna eat that during your feeding window. During your fasting window, you're not going to be eating solid foods, but you are allowed to have beverages as long as the total amount of calories for all the beverages doesn't exceed 50 calories. Now I'm gonna explain that to you in a second, why that's this, the case. So you break your day up. Let's say you start off with the basic 
intermittent fasting schedule of 12 12 12 hours of fasting 12 hours of feeding if you wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning and you eat at 9 o'clock in the morning and you're doing a 12 12 you would start eating at 9 a.m. and you would stop at 9 p.m. that's your eating window your 12 hour eating window then at 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. which is through the night while you're sleeping which is good because you won't recognize if you get hungry <laughs> From 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. is when you fast. And once again, you're allowed to have liquids, but you can't have solid foods. So that's the basic start of a 12. And you can make the hours up depending on when you want to start eating. Some people want to eat at 11, some at 7. Depends on your own schedule. Fast burn is, and, and intermittent fasting like that is very customizable. Now, the longer you have a fasting window, the more likely you are to drive your body into your fat stores and to consume your fat instead of consuming food. Remember I explained to you about the negative energy mm -hmm. balance. So you wanna put yourself into that negative energy state for as long as you can, and that is what is going to drive into your fat. So you go from 12-12 to 14-10. Remember, everything adds up to 24 hours. So 14 hours of fasting, 10 hours of feeding. Then a really aggressive one is 16-8. So 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of eating. So for example, you eat from 12, I'm making these numbers up, because some people will say, well, yeah, but I don't wake up until then, or I'm working a graveyard shift. You make your schedule, but I'm just giving you an example. Let's say you started eating at 12 p.m. You'd eat all your meals and snacks from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m., and then you would be fasting from 8 p.m. to 12 p.m. the next day. Now, the reason why you're only allowed to have up to 50 calories during your fasting window is this. If you eat too many calories during your fasting window, then your body now is going to start using the calories from the beverage or the food that you've eaten rather than using your fat. Because the food, the body actually prefers, it's easier for the body to use energy that comes from food and beverages than it is to actually break down fat. Breaking down fat is a very complicated, time-consuming, and challenging uh, prospect for the body to do. It does it, but it takes work. And so you're in that fat-burning zone. Imagine a switch. You're in your fast, you're in that fat-burning mode, and then you eat something. Your body does this. Hmm. Let me go to the easier source of energy, which is food or beverages. So if you eat more than 50 calories, you are effectively breaking the fast which is not what you want to do. You want to stay in your fasting period for the whole time. And for, for parents of- Oh, sorry, sorry, real fast. Go ahead. <laughs> the 5-2 method, I did say, the 5-2 yeah. method is five days of normal eating and two days of low calorie eating, 800, 500 calories or less. Those two days, for obvious reasons, should not be consecutive, but that is another way that people do fasting and we use that also in the book because every week of the program is different so that people are trying different things to figure out what works best for them. I love it. I, I love it. I want to ask about the teens because I think this is a very important topic as well when we're talking about uh, weight and diet because there's certainly a lot of discussion around making sure that we approach it from you know, a more, I would say, you know, gentle aspect. We don't want uh, too much focus on food, but I think at the same time, we're a little bit too hesitant, even as physicians, sometimes to talk about the importance of, of healthy weight and for, for a healthy body and for disease in general. Um, but I think it is a little bit different than when we're talking about adults. So where do you stand in terms of working with or talking about weight loss and, and dieting and 
just eating in general when it comes to kids and teens. So I think it's a little bit different than adults because we generally don't advise dieting per se, but I think that the concept of, of um, negative energy balance still stands and is still something that, that it's more, I think, what we focus about in the office in terms of making sure that we're getting the right exercise and, and not eating you know, more calories than we can burn off. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's a touchy subject for lots of reasons. Um, I don't advocate that kids go on hardcore diets unless they are morbidly obese and are suffering from um, some medical conditions as a result of that. Then at that point, you have to be interventional and, and do something very important right away. Mm -hmm. But I think in obesity, by the way, the obesity rates are really bad in the country, as we all know that. So it's not something we need to shy away from. We need to address it and discuss it. It's not about fat shaming kids or it's not about what the beauty aesthetic is. That's not this conversation. Um, you can you can clinically and responsibly have a conversation about childhood obesity and weight management issues without fat shaming and, and, and being um, derogatory. So that's very important. And we have to have the conversation, physicians and parents. Now, I am very careful about how, and I've never written a book for kids because I think that kids are so unique and so different. And I haven't figured out yet how to write a general program that people can make it work, but I'm working on it. But Great. there are things that- Book number 21. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, book 21's already done. This okay, fine. Oh. Um, but, but, the, but the thing for parents is that you need to start, believe it or not, with taste. Taste is number one for kids. Mm. So, so in the back of this book, so in, I, in the back of the book, I have all these recipes, okay? Mighty meatless taco, uh, tender baked pork chops, whole wheat pasta with edamame pesto, uh, glazed salmon, supreme strip steak. I have all these recipes. And the reason why I have the recipes are tasty and they're home tested, my kids gotta like them too, is because you can't ask kids to eat healthy if it doesn't taste good. They're kids and they're not gonna stick to it. So I think the first step is for parents to figure out how to cook or find healthier foods that are tasty. It can be done. It yeah. can be done. And what I wanted to uh, exemplify in the book here is that you can do it at home. And by the way, the funniest thing is I get these posts on social media where people are saying that they fixed a dish in the book and their whole family ate it at one sitting. The kids loved it. And my, they say, my daughter is such a picky eater or my son doesn't never likes to eat this stuff because you gotta make it healthy. The, the Brussels sprouts recipe is not just boiling Brussels. I didn't like Brussels sprouts when I was a kid. And I realized because it was cooked horribly. There was no <laughs> spicy, no spices. It was boiled. It was, ugh. but you know, now roasting Brussels sprouts or cauliflower with some seasoning is delicious and kids love it. So uh, I, I, I want to say that parents need to address the issue. Uh, there's a way to do it. If they can't do it, find a professional to address the issue. But it's about getting kids better foods. It's not always structure right away. It's try to infuse better foods into their diet. Then try to institute maybe a little structure. Like, hey, you go to bed every night at 10 o'clock. Let's not eat past 8 o'clock at night. It's not good for you. So we'll start eating at dinner at 7 o'clock. You'll be done by 8. You can do your homework. You can have a snack. 150 calories or less, that's important parents. A snack should be not more than 150 calories. Mm -hmm. You can have a snack before you go to bed, but let's not have dinner so late. What you're effectively doing, think about it, 
is you're really putting them on a fast because if they stop eating at eight o'clock and they have nothing to eat, they go to sleep at 10 o'clock, they can drink, you know, beverages. They go to bed at 10 o'clock and they don't get up till seven o'clock in the morning. You've effectively put them on an intermittent fast from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. Think about it. And they don't know it and they don't feel it because they've had dinner and they're sleeping and they're not hungry while they're sleeping and they wake up. And most people, when they first wake up, particularly kids, they're not really ravenous. They don't really want to eat. Um, they'll eat. In fact, sometimes you have to force kids to eat breakfast. Uh, so effectively, you're actually putting them on a quasi intermittent schedule by making sure that you are careful about when they eat and when they stop eating. Amazing. Great. Great. And we have a question from a parent from Sandy. She wanted to know of all the TV shows that you've been on with all the hosts, who was your favorite to work with or be on the show? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you've been with some cool people, so that's probably yes. not the easiest question. Oh. Well, well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to answer it this way. Um, the Rachel Ray show I have been on for 13 years and Rachel is like my work wife. We are good friends. She and her husband John, we're good friends. I love Rachel. We're like family and we just have fun. We understand each other. We've been doing it so long. We vibe. So we just cool. we just have a rhythm. So Rachel is a lot of fun um, and she cooks great and we just have fun together. So <laughs> that's that's really fun. Uh, Michael Strahan is one of my best friends in the world. Oh. So when I do GMA, Good Morning America, I always do it with him. He's always the anchor doing my segments because He's my brother, and so uh, he's great. Like, I did a, I did a segment with him. He's so lovely, so yeah. genuine, authentic. Yeah. It, so it's yeah. just like working. It's working with you know my brother. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I will say, you know, when I was a cub reporter for NBC um, and nightly news, I was a, a medical reporter. Um, I, you know, Tom Brokaw. I did a segment with him during 9/11. I was wow. reporting from um, where the World Trade Centers were, uh, and um he i did a live segment in his show and it was awesome that tom brokaw actually uh called my name and you know said dr ian smith to hear his gravelly voice actually announced me <laughs> live you know this is dr ian smith and then larry king who's, who's left us uh it was a pretty big deal for those who remember larry king it was oh, really big huge to do larry deal. King's show it was when i did his show he was so hot he was the number one evening show everyone watched larry king live and he had everyone on that show. And I did it um, I did it one night and I did it with um, the guy who owns Virgin. Um, oh, geez. oh, Brett Branson, Russell Branson. Branson. Yeah, 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 Richard Branson. Richard Branson. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I did it with him. He and I were kind of on opposite uh, ends of the spectrum as far as um, cell phones causing brain cancer. And so we had a little kind of quasi debate, but it was it was great. So yeah, I, I've had a I long I want to Google that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I no, I gotta try it. I haven't never tried that one. See if it's it's gotta be there, you know. Um, but I've had a good career in TV. I've enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun, and you know, people have been very nice to me, and I appreciate that. You're incredible, and we're so excited to have you here. So thank you. Can before we go, can I ask you one more thing? Sure. I want to know. Tell me about the burner smoothie. I know everybody wants oh, to know about geez. this too. Real the quick. The burner smoothie <laughs> is awesome. So the burner smoothie is the signature drink um, of the program. Um, it's the first recipe. It's on page 254 for those who have the book. Great. Uh, and by, by the way, I want to say this. Right I mean, He's right there. <laughs> yeah, people can get the book, but if they can't afford the book or the digital download, you can go to your library and check it out for free at the library. If you want your own book, great. But if you can't afford it, people hit me up on social media. I can't afford it. Okay, your library, you can do a digital checkout anytime you want. 
Great. Um, but um, apple cider vinegar, coconut oil, fresh blueberries, apples, bananas, baby spinach, lemon juice, ice, and some apple juice. And I like sweeter drinks. I'll be honest. Um, that's just kind of my preference. I'm not a. I can do green smoothies, mm -hmm. but they have to be sweet green. You can mm -hmm. make green smoothies sweet, by the way. Yeah. Uh, in fact, With the my other banana. book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, bananas, or you can put. If you have enough greens, you can slide in some berries that will not kill the green color, but it'll be sweeter. Uh, so anyway, I did that in my other book. But um, but yeah, that's the burner smoothie. It's delicious. It makes two servings, two 10 ounce servings. I recommend people on programs make double portions, put them in mason jars. That's the beauty of smoothies and shakes. Put them in your refrigerator. They last for a week. You take the mason jar out, shake it, and you're ready to go. And before we go, I also want to say if people want to uh, do fast burn by all means uh join us we have a facebook group that's a, called the fast burn challenge fast burn challenge we have nine thousand people in the group and they just all started and we're doing it together and the other thing and we have people coming all the time so you're not late and if you don't have facebook you can uh join me on instagram and, and follow that way my instagram is at dr ian smith spell the doctor out ian smith great <laughs> awesome well we appreciate you, you taking the time thank you so much for for being here Thanks, Thank guys. You. And thanks for getting information to parents. I'm a parent and parenting is difficult enough. And it <laughs> helps when you get credible information and people who are putting out positive things that are science based and credible to help parents what, navigate what is already a very difficult and tricky course. Thank, Thank you. you. That's why we're doing this, because we we all need help. We're new parents also. So trying yeah, to bring the best together. That's right. All right, guys. Thank you. Wow. He is just so amazing. I mean, the people that he his work with the shows that he's been on uh, it's really not a big surprise that he's the the new host of the doctors on his own he, he's he's pretty amazing i love everything that he had to say and everything that he is writing about he's not writing a diet book really i mean it is you will people are losing weight off of this but it's really about healthy eating and balanced eating and i don't know i i, I really appreciate that you know, i want to ask you something dr gator Mm -hmm. Because I see on your and Sarah's Instagram, you guys actually cooking really healthy food. I see your like blender there, making cauliflower pizza and like pestos and all of that. And oh, that's um, just photo that's Photoshop. We're actually just ordering in <laughs> Postmates all the time, and then you know we just we just Photoshop in some healthy looking food. There's an app <laughs> for that, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure um, there is. No, but it's hard to find time to cook. And you are a doctor. You're a pediatrician. You have patients all day. And then in between patients, we do a podcast. And you're on other people's podcasts. And you're writing books and doing courses and doing all of this. How do you guys balance cooking at home? The reality of it is it's just a priority. I mean, I don't care how busy you are. I know so many people that are just so unbelievably busy. I mean, Dr. Medija is a great example. You know, mm -hmm. we had her on the show um, a few episodes ago and she has you know, s several kids. She has doing a thousand things. She's doing more than even I, I'm doing. Um, and she still finds time to cook every day. And we still find time to cook every day. It's just, you know, as much as we can, unless we're, you know, going out to dinner or something like that, it's just a priority and, and you just make the time. I mean, you, you have to decide how you're going to do things in the day and if you're you 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 choose your priorities and you choose how you how you do that and and, and just because you're you're eating healthy doesn't mean it has to taste bad and doesn't mean it has to take you know so long i'm very lucky because sarah is an amazing cook 
she comes from a family of amazing uh, cooks and you know everyone's just so good at that and, and mm-hmm. so she just has like a natural artistic talent i think to it so yeah not everybody can be i think an amazing cook but you can certainly cook healthy I and mean, there's so many meals out there where you know it's just means just some chopping of you know food and then putting it together and you know, putting it in a blender or chopping it and putting it in the oven or whatever it is but it, it just you you have to make it a priority instead of just you know popping something in the microwave or some popping something in that's pre-made to just spend that extra five or ten minutes to make the food most days when we're preparing food it doesn't take more than half an hour and certainly not more than an hour but usually it's like 10 to 20 minutes and i don't care how busy you are it doesn't matter who you are how busy you are how many kids you have you have time 10 to 20 minutes to cook the food if it's a priority most of the time doesn't mean every day some days are really crazy some days you're doing whatever but you definitely have time if it's a priority you do and okay, i don't well, care what anybody if, says <laughs> if you can cook dinner in 10 minutes like i i need like a i want like a zoom session with with sarah um but i mean i i'm the same way i i cook all the time too and i'm not microwave shaming anybody but i don't even own a microwave no, I don't own a microwave either. And it, it doesn't mean that, that it doesn't suddenly take longer to cook, but, you know, it might be 10 minutes of prep time or 20 right, minutes of, of prep time, and then you throw it in the oven. Yes. Um, and then, you know, it's sitting there for however much, you know, however however more time it is. But I get it. Everybody's busy. We're all busy. And getting, <laughs> and getting your kids to eat, you know, Dr. Ian said this, like, it's got to taste good, you know, mm-hmm. when he, and it, it's true. Like Nico is, you know, I, I feel lucky cause he literally eats everything. He eats all vegetables mm-hmm. and he just eats everything. Um, but I do spend the time to make it taste good. Like everything has been sauteed in garlic and olive oil. <laughs> mm-hmm. But even if you, even if you saute it or put in all those things, it's still going to be healthier than if you buy it in a package, right? Exactly. It's, it's, it's stuff that you made. You can buy the ingredients. You can buy really good ingredients. You can do whatever you, you can do. But it, at the end of the day, you're going to be healthier because you're making and you're going to enjoy it more. And there just isn't the chemicals and preservatives in there that there is in, in a prepacked shoe. It's just the way that it is. And again, I go back to, you know, people make you know excuses, I would say, for like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so this. I'm very busy. I'm a very busy person. But so is this is what we So is my wife. And, you know, hopefully on most days, one of you is a little bit less busy. So one of you can do it. And it doesn't mean if you're getting home at like 730 or 8 after a long day, you know, shooting a movie that you can just cook food every day. No, that's not the reality. But if you're doing it most of the time, whenever you actually can, that's pretty good. And then the one or two days where you're in the week where you're too busy, you're going out, you're doing whatever, fine. Then you get your, you know, food delivered to you and or whatever you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's what we do. Yes. Well, I am happy to hear that um it is not an app and you are not really photoshopping (laughs) (laughs) all this beautiful food that it looks like you're making and i'll be hitting up hitting up sarah on instagram for that cauliflower pizza recipe (laughs) it was very delicious (laughs) it looks like it it looked like it all right everybody let's take care of ourselves let's keep raising the bar on ourselves so we can raise amazing children Thank you all so much for joining us each week. Please be sure to subscribe to the Raising Amazing podcast so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Raising Amazing Podcast to catch any extra fun goodies for you and your kiddos. And if you'd like to submit a question to be featured on the show, you can send in your questions to RaisingAmazingPodcast at gmail.com along with your name and your city. That's it for us for now. We'll catch you next Wednesday on raising amazing. Happy parenting. May the force be with you.